Hello and welcome. I am Kim Teen, host of the One of a Kind You podcast. I started this podcast to share the journey of my past self, a woman who was struggling with leaving her teaching career and adjusting to stay-at-home mom life, to help other women with their motherhood journeys or their work-life balance journeys so they can let go, make themselves a priority without all the sacrificing. If you are a regular listener of One of a Kind You, thank you so much for tuning in again for another episode. I am so thankful that you have decided to stop by and that you are finding value in this podcast. If you are a new listener to One of a Kind You, thank you so much for taking the time to stop by and check things out. I hope you like what you hear and you'll come back and visit us again. And the way that this podcast works for my new listeners is that I share a journal entry of mine from about six years ago and I reflect on what I know now as a certified life coach and what I wish I had known then when I was in the thick of my struggles. So this journal entry is from May 11th of 2016. I write, yesterday afternoon and evening were not great. Casey didn't rest, and after an hour of being in her room, she was asking to come out. I didn't care, but had work to do, so I asked her to lay on the couch. She did at first, but it didn't take long for her to start calling my name every few minutes. When she does that, I get very little accomplished. Looking back on it, I should have stopped what I was doing and sat with her. I just never get much accomplished and get really behind. It results in lots of late nights. The weeks of late nights are catching up to me because I'm starting to feel tired during the day again. Once we got Lily, things continued to get worse because we were battling over homework. At that point, I lost it. I hate fighting with her about homework. It is so frustrating because she never wants to hear what I have to say. I don't know why she thinks I'm an idiot. Thankfully, Pete dealt with Casey at bedtime because she just screamed the whole time. Lily was fine until it was time to pick out her outfit. I lost it a little again because I'm sick of arguing about outfits too. Once the girls were in bed, I lost it. I was venting to Pete about the frustration of not having my time as mine, being questioned all day long, dealing with resistance and opposition from the girls, and having to go it alone through all this most of the time. I think foils down to not being able to adequately recharge myself, a lack of coping skills, and feeling isolated and lonely. I hate wishing the time away because I will never get it back. I don't want this time to be filled with memories of anger, unhappiness, and stress. I want memories that are filled with joy and love. I want to have joy in life. I was talking to Pete about theta therapy as we were getting ready for bed. I need to give it a shot. Going to Nancy's is helping because I felt better than I have when I was in counseling. I think I need an added jolt to help my subconscious heal because the hurt, pain, and anger are deeply rooted. So a lot of the frustration I felt at that time I didn't realize was normal. Um... It's not easy being a stay-at-home mom because when you're a stay-at-home mom, you have the kids all day and and that is what your life revolves around. But it's also not easy being a full-time working mom either because you're at work all day and then when you get home, you're trying to have that quality time with the kids and you're trying to get all of the household responsibilities done and accomplished and taken care of all to get ready to do it all over again the very next day. So both roles are equally as challenging. For me, it was a combination of a lack of coping skills, um, which wasn't always the case um, because when Lily was little, like Casey's age, I had coping skills. When Lily was two, um, one, two, I had good coping skills to manage with her when she was being an obnoxious little toddler. And it was after 
the labels of codependency, anxiety, anxiety, childhood emotional neglect. That was where the coping skills really left because life felt so helpless and beyond my control and I was overwhelmed with those things. I was overwhelmed with trying to heal the childhood wounds. I was overwhelmed with trying to have the self-awareness to say, oh, this is a codependent moment. This is an anxiety-provoking moment. Oh, this is a past experience that triggered childhood emotional neglect. It's not what's really happening now in this moment. And so all of managing all of that was exhausting in itself. And then on top of it to show up and be present for littles every day, making sure that, you know, Casey was cared for during the day. Lily was cared for in the afternoon when she got home from school. It was just a lot to manage. And it was really, it boiled down to that I couldn't manage myself. I couldn't manage my own emotional state. So everything just felt like I was being overloaded. Basically, my nervous system was being overloaded because I had all of this information about my childhood running through my brain 24-7 and not realizing that that story that I was telling myself about the childhood trauma was continuing to show up in my adult life. And so really what was happening is when Casey was, you know, arguing with me about laying down for a nap and screaming at bedtime, and then Lily was fighting with me about homework and what outfit to pick out, it was really a trigger of, from me being little, of feeling like I wasn't seen and heard. It was a trigger that also stemmed from when I was little because oftentimes when I was little and I would say something, I was told that I was wrong. So, um, you know, I wanted to do gymnastics. My dad said, no, it was too dangerous. I wanted to do horseback riding. No, it was too dangerous. I didn't really care for my stepmom. I didn't like my dad being with her. That wasn't heard. And so, um, so there, there was a lot of that growing up. And plus two, this I don't think affected me as much, but this is a common phrase that I hear um, kids from, you know, adults who grew up in the 80s, their parents would say, um, if you cry, I'll give you something to cry about. And I was always crying when I was little. I'm, I'm still a very emotional person, um, probably borderline empath, highly sensitive person. And it did not take much to make me cry when I was little. I can remember being at the Grotto's Pizza at the boardwalk and I must have asked for chicken fingers and french fries instead of pizza, but I can remember there's a picture where my face is red and my eyes are red and watery because I had been crying that I didn't want the chicken nuggets or chicken fingers and french fries. I wanted the pizza. My stepmom was adamant that I had to eat the chicken fingers and french fries because that's what I asked for. And so... I cried all the time when I was little. So I got the, you know, you know, cry and I'll give you something to cry about speech or the wait till we get to the car speech. Um, but I don't think that those, that really had as much of an impact on me um, in terms of childhood trauma with being seen and heard um, as much as the other experiences of being told that what I wanted to do wasn't okay or saying, you know, I want to do something and the response being, well, where's that going to get you? Um, being told that outfits that I wanted to wear were not okay. Um, 
there were times where my dad and my stepmom didn't speak highly about my mom and I would come to my mom's defense and then I was told that I was wrong. And so I just felt like a lot of times I voiced my thoughts and I was told I was wrong or I was told I was being a smart mouth and I was grounded when really I was just trying to give my insight, my perspective, you know, use my voice. And so I think because of that, when I wasn't heard by my kids, you know, with Lily arguing with me how to do homework, mind you, I taught kindergarten for five years and five and a half years actually. And so at this time she was in kindergarten arguing with me and she would often say, well, that's not how Miss Todd teaches us. Well, that's not what Miss Todd said. And I think for me, that was such a trigger because it was a, an inner child thing of, again, not being seen and heard. And I think that really boils down to with the feelings of being um, lonely and isolated. I often felt like I didn't really fit or, or belong in a lot of places growing up. And so it was just this added feeling of um, feeling like I didn't have someone I could turn to. And that was what was perpetuating the feelings of being lonely and isolated. And part of that was self-inflicted. You know, I had tried going to mommy and me groups and um, wasn't really welcomed there. So I told myself the story that I wasn't liked. And so I didn't make an effort to go back really and make friends with any of those people. When I'm sure, you know, they just didn't know me and I was had closed off energy because I felt... Um, uncomfortable. I didn't feel secure in my, you know, who I was as a person. I felt like I didn't measure up as a mom. I felt like I didn't measure up with in terms of appearance either. So I really didn't do anything to ease the feelings of loneliness. I really relied on my husband for that a lot. And because his work schedule was crazy, I often felt like he didn't love me or our marriage wasn't important to him really not fully realizing that that was not the case. You know, my husband loves me very much and he does want to be with us, but his work is incredibly demanding. And often I realized like, wow, I didn't really know what I was signing up for when um, we were dating and he was like, yeah, I'm going to law school next year. And I was like, oh, fantastic. And then actually marrying a lawyer. Like I just had no idea um, how demanding a lawyer's work schedule and work life can be. Um, that's why lawyers have a very high divorce rate. Um, and they also have a very high um, rate of alcoholism and drug addiction because of the demands of their job. So I really wasn't helping my husband's cause and I wasn't helping my own cause either. And so if I had just been able to realize that Lily and Casey's behavior was completely normal and it wasn't anything personal against me, I think would have made the um, situation easier but also too, if I had put boundaries in place with what I was allowing to consume my time, I was doing this, you know, adjunct in college instructor job that I hated and didn't want to do, but yet I continued to do it. So if I had given up that, that would have freed up like 15 hours of my week. Then I wouldn't have had that looming pressure of needing to get papers done, needing to participate in discussion board posts. And I would have been able to feel more present with Casey at nap time and being able to say, you know what, Casey, let's just snuggle on the couch together. Let's go lay up in your bed together. And I did get to a point later um, at this time where we did go up and lay in my bed together, which would end up just being silly time and we would make blanket forts and things like that. But 
those were the memories that I really wanted to create. That was the mom that I really wanted to be, the mom who was more flexible and easygoing and fun. Not this mom who was always bogged down and weighted down by the weight of the world, but that's because I was allowing these outside sources to weigh me down. I was allowing the labels uh, from my childhood trauma to really be all-consuming because I didn't have the tools to cope with those labels. And granted, the therapist really thought that she gave me tools, but she didn't. The biggest thing that she wanted me to take was medication. And while I'm not knocking medication, I think there is value in medication. However, for where I was in the journey, it wasn't medication that was needed. It was learning the root cause of the problems and working to notice the patterns that have been created from those root cause problems and creating new, more empowered patterns. And so that was really what I needed. I needed to see these patterns, like the pattern of losing it with my kids when something didn't go my way. I was basically like a little kid living in an adult's body, having a temper tantrum because that needed to be resolved with inner child work. And I had done the inner child work, but I didn't stick with it. And I was so focused on the labels that I couldn't, it didn't feel like the inner child work would change anything because I was so fixated on the labels and I felt like this is the way that it will always be. Nothing will change. It will always be this way. And so if you're feeling like things won't change, they'll always be this way, but you want change, you want something different for yourself, message me, email me, get in touch with me, and we can chat to see if one of my um, one-on-one coaching spots would be a good fit for you. Because it's an awful feeling to feel like you're going through this struggle alone that no one understands. You're being told that you need medicine so that you can have stairs to walk out of the ditch so you're not clawing your way out of the ditch to maybe you've tried the medication but nothing has changed and you still feel like you're you know, clawing your way out of the ditch. Then what my one-on-one coaching program could be a good fit for you because really what we do in my one-on-one program is we take a look back and we gather all the puzzle pieces. I call it digging in the sandbox. We look at all aspects of life, relationships, from childhood, current relationships, work environment, relationship with children, all these things. And then I put the pieces of the puzzle together so that we can say, oh, this is what happened in childhood, or this is what happened as a teenager, or this is what happened in a previous relationship to create the patterns that you currently are running. Then we work on creating new patterns. And so it's eight sessions, super impactful. And it's the same coaching that I went through and it was life changing. Without it, I would not be where I am today because when I started working with a life coach, just before I got my life coaching certification, I really felt like life would always be the way that it was back in 2016. Stressful, lonely, isolating, overwhelming, no coping strategies horrible memories, kids that would hate me, a divorce, you know, pending divorce with a husband that would hate, hate and despise me. And so if I didn't make the changes, that possibly really could have been my reality. But what I needed to do first was just to say, you know what, Kim, what is the real priority here? Is it being a parent to Casey or is it doing the paperwork for the graduate students? It was the priority was really being with Casey. That's why she was home with me. But I felt so much pressure to perform and be this perfect person and have all the hats on with all the plates spinning and not dropping one and keeping everything together and being able to say like, wow, look at everything I'm doing and look at how great I'm doing. 
I'm doing such a good job and my kids are taken care of and my husband loves me. And instead I was creating absolute insanity for myself because I was putting ridiculous amounts of pressure on myself. I was putting ridiculous amounts of pressure on my kids to not trigger me, which they were little. They had no idea. They were just being their own individual selves, just being kids wanting to get their needs met, just living in the moment. And so, um, I never actually did go to theta therapy. It's, um, it's like a hypnotherapy, um, type of treatment, but I didn't go because, um, I, insurance wasn't going to cover it and I would have to pay out of pocket and I wasn't opposed to paying out of pocket, but I was worried that it wouldn't work and that what if I spent the money and it didn't work and I was still the same or what if it was worse than it currently was. And that honestly is really what holds most people back from change. It's the fear of the unknown and our human identity, the strongest force with creating it is to remain consistent with the identity that we currently have. So while I wanted to change, I was so afraid that nothing would change if I tried this theta therapy. So it was easier, it was safer for me to continue on the path that I was on instead of trying to deviate from that. And so um, really I needed to also have a little bit of a perspective shift here. My girls weren't being resistant and uh, and they didn't have opposition towards me. I was taking it that way because I had this story running through my head that nobody ever listens to me. I have to repeat myself 8,000 times and I know what mom doesn't have this dialogue running through her head because it feels like we have to repeat ourselves 8,000 times and no one ever listens until we get to the point where we scream and then everyone's like looking at you like, wow, lady, what's your problem? What are you yelling for? Um, And so I really needed to change the perspective of looking at the fact that they weren't really being opposition, uh, oppositional and they really weren't being resistant. They were being humans. They had their own thoughts, their own personalities, and they were just trying to express themselves the same way that I was when I was little and was often met with being told that I was not right, not wrong, um, should think something else, should do something else. And so really I was doing the same thing to my kids that my parents did to me, not knowing I was doing it. And so once I also changed my um, perspective on homework for them when they were little, um, in terms of like family projects, I would micromanage them to the nth degree. And even with homework, I would kind of hover and ask questions. And then I realized that nine times out of 10, they can do it by themselves because they learned the material at school. They don't need me hovering. So I learned that with family projects, let the kids do what they want to do. It doesn't matter what the project looks like. It was about us working together as a family or about them having an opportunity to foster their creativity and to give them that. Now with like, you know, core subject homework, I would just say to them, if you need help, I'll be right here because it gave them space to try and work it out on their own without me chiming in and jumping in too soon. But it also allowed them to to assess like, do I really need her help or can I figure this out on my own? And then when they did ask for help, I had to really do a reality check and say, this is not about them not listening to you. This is not about them not seeing you, not understanding you. This is about their own frustration. And right now, Kim, you are going to model for them how to work through that frustration. And so that was really what I had to do to get past this point of feeling like everybody was resisting me and that I was going through it all alone and, um, and just knowing that I needed to not wish away life because um, now my kids are 12 and 9 and I have a middle schooler and it's just so hard to believe. 
And now she's at the point where she hangs out in her room for several hours a day on the weekends, crafting, reading, listening to her record player. And um, so, and I know that's going to be the case more and more and more as she gets older. So really taking the time to focus on what, what brings joy. And I didn't do that. I wanted it. I wanted the joy. I wanted the peace. I wanted the happiness. But I wasn't focused on the things that would foster that. I was so focused on the things that were creating the unhappiness, the anger, the stress, the frustration, the resentment, the bitterness. And so it can be really hard to shift out of that when that feels like that's your whole world. Um, but it can be done. And if you need help, reach out. I'm so I love when listeners reach out and ask for feedback and insight. Um, as you can tell, I love to talk. And so um, it brightens up my day to hear from my listeners. So if you found this episode helpful, please feel free to share because the more the merrier. Share it with a friend that might benefit from hearing it. And also, if you would be so kind to leave a review, I would greatly appreciate it. I read all the reviews so that I can continue to give you what you are looking for and be a resource and a support place for you as you go through your motherhood journey, your work-life balance journey, or your healing journey. And um, so if you have any questions or comments, feel free to shoot me a message. And thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you stop by next week.